Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, global health systems have been challenged like never before. As time and resources were directed towards responding to the virus, it was the dedication of healthcare workers that kept services running. Amongst the uncertainty, our hardworking Queensland clinicians have continued their pursuit of excellence, innovating and adapting the way they work to ensure consumers always receive the best care possible. To them, the pandemic was an opportunity to learn and grow and to ensure healthcare delivery continues to evolve to the ever-changing landscape. Because if we've learned anything from the last two years, it is that things will always change and our clinicians will always rise to the occasion. Everyone knows that staff that feel valued, engaged and looked after lead to better outcomes. While I won't read you a dissertation on the magical power of discretionary effort, caring for our staff will always lead to better outcomes for consumers. And during COVID, these projects rose to the occasion, supporting their staff through the increased pressure and adapted the way staff could access these services. Perry Crimmins. I'm the Manager of Workforce Capability, Culture and Engagement at Darling Downs Health. And I'm really keen to share with you this afternoon an initiative that we put into place in 2020 in Darling Downs Health, which was about self-care and wellbeing. A little bit of a backdrop first though. Darling Downs Health has a vision of caring for our communities healthier together. From a community perspective, the healthier together vision puts into place, I guess, the idea that we understand that the health of our communities impacts what comes through our door. So we're keen to have an impact out there. From a staff perspective, healthier together means that we understand the impact that our staff's health and wellbeing has on our culture and on our performance and on our overall outcomes and in particular our patient outcomes. At the beginning of 2020, Darling Downs Health had just recruited to two new permanent positions, one a community wellness coordinator and one a staff wellness coordinator. So in some ways you could say we were poised and ready to enter the world of wellbeing in a more serious way, but little did we know what was, what was coming at us at that point. By February, March of 2020, I guess we could see that we were really gonna to have to do something to support our staff. We could see we were hearing stories from some of our clinicians who were watching what was happening in the US and the UK and in Europe and who were hearing horror stories about the impact on clinicians and on health workforces over there. As a health service, we were gearing up for the unknown in ways we'd previously never experienced. We were rapid response planning, we were fit testing. And Zani, when you were talking earlier, you reminded me about the shortage of PPE. And I'd kind of forgotten about that one. So we could see that our staff's wellbeing was really going to be an issue for us and we needed to do something. In Queensland too, we were starting to see early COVID cases coming here and we had the, the cruise ships coming back from overseas and, and so on. And Toowoomba experienced two of the early deaths from COVID. So there was a heightened sense of fear, I guess, about what was coming and the unknown. We were keen to put into, pla into place some simple, easily accessible tools and strategies that people could apply immediately. 
we knew that self-care and wellbeing really looks different for everyone and that people were likely to experience a really wide range of thoughts, feelings and emotions. So we focused our message on keeping you strong. Our prompt was that people really needed to focus early on their self-care and well-being and try and get ready for the long haul and that that work needed to happen now. And I guess little did we know what a long haul this was going to be and I don't think we know the answer to that one yet. So our first foray was into what we called some personalised staff support. So what we did was we offered check-in sessions. These were offered from mid-March. These were offered with a qualified counsellor. And what we tried to do with these was to promote them in a very different way than we promoted our EAP services, which were certainly operating at the same time too. But we tried to promote these as normalised check-in sessions. And these were open to either teams or individuals. In fact, we had quite a lot of teams who participated in these sessions in that differentiated way. And we promoted them as an opportunity just to, just to sit and talk to somebody and to talk about their shared experiences of what was going on. And it was an opportunity, too, to be proactive about self-care. These tended to be 45-minute sessions. They were bookable online through our Learning Online platform, which means that they are accessible to be booked from anywhere, not reliant on QEPS. And these sessions proved immensely popular. Last year alone, we had well over 100 people through these sessions, and we continued to offer them all through 2020, and we've continued to offer them throughout 2021. So... The next thing we did, and we, we had this out by, I think, late March. So this was a self-care and wellbeing kit. We worked with our clinical psychology team on this. My team are not clinicians, but we do do a lot of work in this area generally. But we worked with our clinical psychology team to ensure the, um, the sound psychology base, if you like, of the tools that were in this kit but we were keen to develop a kit of simple, easy-to-use self-care and wellbeing resources that people could really just pick up the kit and choose whatever they wanted to work on. So I've got one of them here. There's about five different tools and different things that you can use in there, but we were keen for people to just be able to pick it up and, and even if they just chose one, that that might actually make a difference. The world had started being a little bit well-being crazy, I would put it, last year as well. I think wherever you looked, people had something to offer about well-being and certainly that information was coming thick and fast. So what we tried to do was to sift through that and try and find some, some resources that were inherently useful for people and I guess dial down what might have been some of the noise about that. Our pitch was that we can't look after our communities if we are not well ourselves, which I guess is a firm link to the Darling Downs Health vision of caring for our communities, but the Healthier Together part in particular. When we launched the tool, we launched it to four times more traffic than we would usually receive on our Staff Wellness Quebs page. And I'm going to give you a quick overview of a couple of the tools. This one is a self-care and wellbeing tool. So this tool helped people to identify what would keep them strong and resilient during COVID-19 and during the pandemic. The tool helps people to identify things that are important to them and helps to assess people's current level of well-being in those areas. So what you do, and it also prompts some action planning, but what you do with this tool that's up on the slide right now is there are eight buckets of well-being. Don't know if you can read them all, but they're things like family, life planning, spirituality, health mental well-being, social, etc., recreation. What you do with each of those is that you rank them 
from one to five, one being least important, five points if that's something that's really important to you. And then you shade, so the circle that's down in the bottom right of the, of the screen there, then you would shade how well you're doing right now. So family's really important to most of us, certainly is to me, what you would do if I'd ranked that five and I shaded it, and on that diagram I think it shows up as only being two bars, that's probably not where you would really want it. So the action planning process takes you through an exercise to have a look at you know, what, what actions you might be able to take, even in these crazy times, to do something about that. Another tool that was really useful was this one, which is called Worry and what to do about it. As a manager, I guess this is the tool that I found most useful in talking to people last year. Our brains have got a a way, uh, they're capable of doing some pretty wild and wacky things at times. And most of us, and many of us, I guess, maybe not most of us, but many of us are inclined to worry about things that are really well beyond and out of our control. Worries tend to start with something factual or real and then progress in increasingly catastrophic and often unlikely directions. Now, I don't know, if you're honest, you probably know that we all do this at times, and certainly last year was a time when, when this happened a lot. The examples on this slide say things like, so this is what's called the worry chain, so the examples on this one say, I have a headache, what if it's COVID, what if it's coronavirus, maybe I'd pass it on at work or maybe I'll give it to my family, everyone I pass it on to might die, gosh I start to imagine that I'm losing everybody that I know. The second one is, gee, the economy's slowing because we've stopped people coming in from overseas. Suddenly there's no tourism, so the economy's slowing. I could lose my job. My house might go down in value. The bank's going to want to sell my house and I won't be able to support my family. What this tool does, and they're just fictitious examples, probably not too far from the truth for some last year, what this tool encourages people to do is to write down their worry chain and start to see what's factual and what's hypothetical and potentially unlikely. And it's really useful because then once you map out what you're actually doing and what your brain's getting carried away with, you can then start to think about whether or not that's something real, factual or hypothetical. What the tool goes on to do in subsequent pages is really start to encourage people to focus on the things that they can actually control and to put your energy. When we put our energy into the things that we can't control, you know, then it's all out of control and it's really not good for us. So the, the tool encourages people to, to do that and to unpack it and put their, put their effort into the things that they can actually control. Another thing we did was to, and this was also part of the tool kit, but we used it in a couple of different ways. So these 10 points for dealing with COVID-19, these were both in our self-care and wellbeing kit and sort of framed the beginning. And I guess if we encourage people to only look at one page, that they look at that particular page because there was some really good stuff in there. Things like getting informed. Now, this would still serve us well, wouldn't it? So making sure that we stick to get good sources of information, that we stick to things that are, that are factual and real. It encourages us to turn down the noise. This could still be really useful. So turn down the noise, whether the noise is Facebook noise, whether the noise is just what we're seeing in the constant 24-7 media stream that we still see. And I, I make myself tired even talking about that. I don't know about the rest of you, but 
It's been very constant over the last 18 months. Whether it's actually taking, dialing down the noise of a conversation that you're in that you realise isn't helpful for you, those are all the sorts of things that this tool um, starts to encourage people to do. What we did was put those 10 points onto banners that you can see there in the pictures. The bottom picture is two of our team, one of whom is sitting over there in row B, and we set up wellness checkpoints across the organisation. This one is uh, Jake and Liam in our team setting up a wellness checkpoint in the Wellbeing Cafe at Bailey Henderson Hospital. We set up the banner. We set up uh, copies of the self-care and wellbeing tool. We, had, we also have walking maps for our hospitals as well for, for you know, different parts of our geographical roadmap, if you like, that show people where they can walk safely to get some fresh air, those sorts of things. So the wellness checkpoint was, was populated with those sorts of resources for people people to access. The top photo is at Warwick Hospital. So some of our rural facilities also set up wellness checkpoints for their staff as well. We also set up a renewal zone within our leadership portal. So we have a leadership portal which exists within what we call DDLOL, our learning online area. So as part of that, we actually set up this renewal zone and we use these 10 points as, I guess, the focal points for the renewal zone. What we did then was to collect a whole range of resources that were relevant to each of the 10 points and, and put them under there for staff to have a look at and they can access those from any time because our learning online is not based on QUEPS. People can go in there anytime and have a look. There were a range of other strategies that we put in place today and I don't have time to go into them, but if you're interested, please be in touch. We set up a managers group within Microsoft Teams. We know how important, a part of the work that my team does is around leadership. We know how important it is for managers to lead well during these times, to try and be role models of the sorts of behaviour that we're wanting to see from our, from our staff, to try and create a psychologically safe environment. So we've been stimulating that group with recent resources and conversation all during 2020 and it continues to be an area of concentration for our team as well. Our team always runs resilience training programs. We ran a lot more of those in 2020 but we continue, they continue to be popular as well. I guess from the work that I've done in health, I know self-care and wellbeing is not something that clinicians in particular generally do well. So beyond a pandemic, it's, it's, I think it's important work for us to be doing anyway. We've also been trying to make more effective use of our EAP service. I think we would say that we didn't necessarily understand our EAP service and the range of services that they offer very well, and we certainly understand that a lot better now. All of this work has been a really core foundation for us for further mental health and wellbeing work. So I guess even though in Queensland we haven't yet really experienced the full brunt of the pandemic, I feel like we've been in a constant state of readiness. And I think we've probably, if we're honest, all felt the drain of that. And we've all experienced the changing rules, the changing mandates, you know, the, the whole thing. I think the point that I just made a moment ago about health workers and, you know, the environment in which we work, 
all puts, there's a, there's a need beyond the pandemic need about our self-care and wellbeing. You know, beyond COVID, I think we see a relentless number of patients coming through our doors. ED numbers across Queensland are way up. Most of the hospitals in Queensland are brimming even without COVID cases. So focusing on our staff's wellbeing, I think is, is a really important thing and something that we need to do well beyond the pandemic. Just really quickly, because I know my bell has already sounded. Last year, we also put together a mental health and wellbeing framework. I won't go into this because I've, I've run out of time. But we did a, a bunch of stakeholder engagement with our staff last year, asking them about what they need. Our um, mental health wellbeing framework has got three pillars. One's about the individual and their self-care, their wellbeing, their resilience and so on. And their accountability for that because they've, you know, we've all got to do our piece. The second bit is about the leader's role in that and how we attend to the emotional needs of our staff. But interestingly, in terms of staff support, that third pillar, the purple one, we're doing an exercise at the moment. We've got a project. We're working with a range of clinical staff to set up a debriefing processes for our organisation. We've also got an interest in peer support, etc. This process that we've been going through over the last 18 months has really set us up with a, a great foundation, I think. It's allowed us opportunity for collaboration, whether it was with our clinical psych team uh, or whether it was with different HHSs, because we've now worked with quite a few of those in, in some of this work as well. It's provided us with opportunity for a lot of uh, partnership and collaboration, and I think it sets us in good stead for what's to come. So thank you, and thank you to my team who've been working on this for the last 18 months as well. Oh, thanks. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland. <laughs>